This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Brothers and sisters, if we don't succeed in anything else, let's succeed in this. That when people come into this building, they know that they are loved. And you know what? This morning I got a text that just said, oh, Pastor Brian, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, how much we love you. You have no idea how much we love you. That just lifts a day, doesn't it? And then you get in, and I go upstairs into my office, and there's a picture on my desk from a girl named Savannah. I don't know how old Savannah is. She's pretty young, I know. There's a picture on my desk that says, Pastor Brian, I love you, and there's a beautiful picture. How many know those things make your day? Amen? So, so let's give that love. Amen? Let's give love to each other. When Josh said today to turn and tell some people that you love them, I was like, boy, Josh. That's what's in my heart. You know, um, the last few weeks, we have been uh, in services to where we have really been challenged. I mean, we've really been energized. I mean, last week, I, 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 I was kind of in the back, and, and, I, and I looked in the audience, and it was like there was hardly anybody in their seat. Almost the whole congregation was up front, and they were being touched by God and seeking God and crying out to God with all their heart. I, I don't know if I ever saw that many people come at, at once to the front and just cry out to God. And then amazing things was happening. And then the weeks before, um, we, we, we had things that energized us and things that charged us. There's been something on my heart, and it's a challenge that I'm feeling in the spirit. And I feel like that God is calling me to lead this church in this quest. And that is to make disciples. That is to make disciples. Everybody's with Jesus in John chapter 6 when the miracles are being done and when, and when the God encounters happening and when people are being touched by the Spirit and healings are going on and deliverances are going on and, and, and the presence of God is so strong that you could cut it. How many say you love that? I love that. I love being in those services. I, I, I love it's okay to feel God. Amen? He made us emotional. You can feel God. I love it that you can feel him and be touched by him and know that he's real and that that's a relationship. But yet, a lot of times, I think in church, we know him as savior. We know him as deliverer. We know him as healer. We know him as baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We know him as son of God. We know him as creator of the heavens and the earth. But you know what else? Do you know how else we need to know him, meaning Jesus? Is we need to know him as rabbi one of the greatest teachers that ever walked the earth. He was the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. And, and even that word Christian, whenever you hear that word Christian, where we refer to ourselves as we're Christians, um, in the Bible, the few times that you see that word Christians, usually it was the, 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 the Romans or the people that really weren't in the church calling them Christians. But if you... If, if you uh, go to what Paul called people that follow Christ and, and, and uh, the apostles called them and stuff like that, what they called them is they called them followers of the way. Followers of the way. 
And so today I want to talk about being a committed follower of the way. In fact, in Acts 22, 4, uh, when the the church was being persecuted, they were persecuting the followers of the way and hounding some of them even to the point of death and arresting men and women and throwing them into prison. But they called these people followers of the way. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray as the boys set the clock, we pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will fall in this room. And Lord, I pray that we will be challenged and that we will be equipped today by your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you give the words and that you bring clarity. And Lord, I I just sense in the spirit that there are fertile hearts that are ready to receive the word. If that's you, say, that's me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, follow me. In Mark chapter 1, 16 through 18, it says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, who we know as Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were throwing the net into the water, for they fished. I want everybody to see that. For they fished for a living. Everybody say, for a living. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And look at this. And they left their nets everybody say at once they left their nets at once and they followed him now i want you to think about that they were commercial fishermen that was their livelihood jesus said come and follow me they heard it they dropped their nets at once and they followed him as he walked along he saw levi matthew the son of alphaeus sitting at a tax collector's booth which these people were not liked by people because they were collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. But they, so they, they, this guy wasn't a very popular guy. Jesus walked up to this guy at the tax collector's booth and he said, follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said that to him. So Levi just got up, dropped what he was doing and followed him. That blows my mind. Same thing happened with Philip. Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. Philip not only dropped what he was doing, he went and told his friend Nathaniel what was going on, and he and Nathaniel dropped what they were doing, and they went and followed Jesus. Come on, somebody out here realized that when you follow Jesus, you can actually get your buddy Nathaniel to follow him with you. Come on, somebody say we can do that. Amen. So then he called. Then we go on and we see that Jesus, he called his disciples, but then he called the crowds, and he added something to the crowds. He added this phrase, take up your cross in the call. He said, take up the cross. In this call, he didn't just tell them to come and drop what they was doing. He said, take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Notice it was the crowd. Everybody say the crowd. It was the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be a follower of me, look at this. You must give up your own way. You must give up your own way and take up the cross and follow him. In Matthew 10, 38, it says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, then you're not worthy. So what does this mean, take up your cross? How many would just wonder, what does it mean to take up your cross? What does it mean to take up your cross and follow him? Let me start with this, what it doesn't mean. The first thing, what it doesn't mean is many, ter- many people interpret cross as, oh, this is some burden that I've got to carry in my life. Man, I've got a strained relationship. I don't know how I'm going to make things ends meet. Oh, I'm in a thankless job that anybody could do this. 
Oh, I've got so much burden on my life. With a self-pitying, almost pride, they say this. This is the cross that I guess Jesus is calling me to bear. That is not what it means. In Jesus' day, the cross represented nothing but a torturous death. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their crosses to this place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant carrying their own. Think about that. Bearing a cross meant that you were carrying your own execution device to the place of death. Therefore, take up your cross and follow me is being willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Therefore, take up your cross to follow me. This is called dying to self, and it's all about complete surrender. And I believe that is what God is calling this church to do, do, is to be in a complete surrender. And here's what's not only cool, that I know God is telling me to preach to this church, to enter into a relationship of taking up your cross daily and following the Lord, that there is going to be something happen in every heart of a woman, every heart of a man, every heart of a teenager today, where something's going to happen and you are going to absolutely give it all to Jesus because that's where God is calling the church to go. I believe that we're in a day where church has made it easy. Let, 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 what can I do to get you to come to church? Uh, what song can I sing that you're going to like? Uh, what, how can I co- coerce? How can I kind of get you where, where you'll come? Is there any? Let's just pass out a survey and see if, if there's anything we could do a little better for everybody. It, let, let's just, just see uh, what would it take to, to get people where they come uh, more than once a month to church. Could you tell us what we could do to, to make that happen for y'all? Hogwash. It's making me mad. Hogwash. We have formed a Western religion that God is like a puppet and like some mindless person or something that knows nothing about anything that's doing nothing, that is there to do nothing but to wipe our noses and to make life easy for us and to do what we ask him to do in a pinch. That is not discipleship, church. I want to speak the truth in Church on the Rock. There's a a culture that we've created and we stick a tag on it and we call it religion. And it's a form of godliness, but it denies the power of God. It denies the relationship with God. It, It denies, it denies so much, it denies really everything that God is. There has to be a commitment, a commitment to be like Christ. You know, Jesus was a choice. Even in the garden, when they came to get Jesus, they, they, they said, whoever we betray with a kiss, and Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And then uh, the Lord said, it's me, I'm Jesus. And when the Lord raised up his hand and said, it's me, I'm Jesus, the whole freaking army fell down. The whole army fell down to the ground. He didn't... They didn't come and take his life. He gave his life. And that is the difference of taking up your cross and following him. It is a choice that we make. It is a choice in saying that you will, that, that you will willingly and you will choose. Somebody say, I'm glad that I'm a free moral agent. That God gives me a choice in this matter. 
And, and what I'm hearing, God, and what I want to challenge you is I want to challenge this church today to start taking up the cross and following him. Dying to self. Dying to what you want. Giving it all up. The, the, the things that kick our tails, the sinful habits, the, the, the challenges of life that, that we just fall into and become victim to. And, and, and we just go with the flow, there can be a death. You can carry your cross. You can willingly carry your cross and you can march up a hill and you can share in Christ's death by carrying his cross. You can die with him. You can be buried with him. And then your situation can raise in newness of life. That is bearing the cross. It's a willingness it's a willingness. Nobody's forcing it on you. No, nobody's forcing it on you. Taking up your cross is something that you say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Okay? It's a choice. Truly, we have to be willing to put to death our ideas, our plans, our desires, and exchange it for his Jesus followed his call to the death to self for the gift of Christ. He said that whoever, everybody's looking for life. Jesus said whoever wants to save his life, whoever wants to have joy in life and wants to save his life and wants to enjoy and have fullness of life, he says, we'll lose it. If you want life, we lose it. You, You lose yourself. But whoever loses his life for Christ is the person that found it. That's when things started clicking. That's when things come to, came together for me as a Christian, is when I entered into being a disciple and following Christ and losing my life and being found in him. Following Jesus is easy when everything runs smooth, but the cost of following Jesus, look at Luke 9, 57 through 62. Three people seem willing. To me, to me we come... And in service, there's always a willingness. There's always a, that's a novel idea. I believe I'll take up my cross and follow Jesus. Look what this says. Jesus said, as they were going along the road, someone said, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. I'll follow, I'll follow, I'll follow. You old timers know what I'm talking about. I'm dating some of you. I will follow you. Wherever you go. Jesus said, really? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. You know what? I don't even have anywhere to lay my head. I I don't have a place to even put my hat and hang my hat on the wall and say home. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. That, to me, I, I'm not even going to comment on that because, to be honest with you, I don't know what it means. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That, to me, that's kind of tough, but it's in the Bible, and I think he wants us to know that the call to discipleship is tough. You know, it's okay to not know. If you just read the Bible when you... When you don't know, sometimes I read that Bible and I don't feel like I'm understanding the thing. But you have to have the discipline to keep reading that Bible. Amen? 
Then another one, it says, yet another one said, I'll follow you. He said, Lord, let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Okay? So everybody's always, I'll follow you. Really? I'll follow you, Lord. Um, But let me first do this. I'll follow you, but it might get get in the way of the office that I like to watch. I'll follow you, Lord, but what if it conflicts with a relationship that I'm in? Lord, I want to follow you, but it needs to be on my terms. What about this practice? What about this they're asking me to do at work? What about this? What about this? Guys, there's always what about this? I I really want to challenge you today to start saying no to things that are useless and start really entering. I'm saying it to me. Let's enter a relationship because I want to go to the next level with God. Uh, let's, let's, let's go to that next place with God. Let's enter that. Jesus appeared to dissuade people. How different from the typical gospel presentation. How many would respond to an altar call that went like this? Come follow Jesus, but you may lose some friends. Your family may think you're crazy. You may lose your reputation, your influence, and your popularity. It might even alter your career because some of the way you was enjoying career... Some of the things you were doing aren't glorifying me. And so, you, you know, it, it, could, it could hinder your career. And possibly it could affect your life big time. How many want to say, I want to do that. Sign me up. Sign me up. I want to do that. But to me, it's when we get to that point. And I'm going to show you today in, in, in some people's life in the Bible. You may not be at that point today. You may not be at that point. But let me tell you, somebody who's at that point, your pastor, I want to follow him. And I've been in this thing 30 years. I want to give more of myself. I want to take up my cross like never before. I want to say no to things and say yes to everything that God says. I want to completely learn what it is to walk in the spirit of God. I want to do that. You know what the Lord told me? I'm really going to start cranking up commitment and cranking up a call in the next year. My flesh started saying, man, we'll empty out the church. You know what the Lord told me? He said, no, you'll fill it because people are hungry and people want it. And he said, you know what? You're sitting with a whole bunch of people that want the same thing you do. They do. They do. So um, anyway, um, To me, it would sure take care of false converts. They would likely decrease when we start saying, take up your cross. There's a uh, kind of a neat handout that I was reading with a bunch of famous missionaries at my house. And, And when I went to Bible college, I had the opportunity of hearing some of the greatest speakers in the world. I'm talking Morris Plotz, Charles Greenaway, uh, David Wilkerson. Uh, David Wilkerson, I remember he just came and laid on the pulpit and just wept. He actually, well, I won't get on to that. But, but anyway, um, th- these guys were missionaries in Africa and India and doing amazing things. And they would come and talk to us in chapel. 
And we'd have prayer meetings. I used to be, I was so hungry for the Lord. I didn't know how to pray. And one night there was about eight of them just laying on the floor and crying out to God and just praying. And, and the, the sanctuary held like 15,000 people. I went in the back and I crawled on my belly underneath all those seats. And I went up there. It was an all-night prayer. And I just laid where I could hear those men calling out to Jesus, crying out to God for revival and a touch in their life and to be dead to themselves and alive to God. And, and, and it really impacted me. I, I, I fell asleep and spent the night there underneath those chairs. But I wonder if you're ready to take up your cross. Consider these questions. Are you, really, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your close friends? It did for me. I lost every friend I had when I started. Here's what, here's what didn't happen. I didn't lose any friends when I had one foot in the church and one foot in the world because there was no difference. I was a lukewarm Christian, and I wasn't on fire for the Lord, and, and I denied him all the time with my conduct and my actions. But what it took for me to really go all the way for the Lord, I didn't talk to my friends for seven months. Didn't talk to him. Because if I, if I went with my friends to the party, the next thing I knew, I'd be drunk laying on my back. I couldn't do it. Some of you that are wanting to follow Christ, we can get excited on the messages like last week. And I'm, I'm trying not to even push it so high. Because there's a cost to discipleship. It may cost you friends. It may cost you. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from family? Are you willing? You know, we kind of went through all those already. Let's talk about this. I want to talk a minute about the blood and the cross. It may not be in your notes. The blood and the cross. When you talk about the blood, the blood in in the first third of Romans you, you, you really see, when it talks about the blood of Jesus, the blood is forgiveness. The blood is therefore being justified by the blood of Jesus. The, the blood deals with forgiveness. The blood deals with your standing with God. The blood deals with, with the justice of God being answered by the blood of Jesus. And, 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 the, and forgiveness is given. Justification is given. Reconciliation. The, the blood has to do with position. But the cross, listen... The blood has to deal with position, has to do with forgiveness, has to do with reconciliation, your position. Listen, but the cross has to do with deliverance from sin nature. You know, a lot of people, and some people use this method for winning people to Christ. They'll say, they'll say um, have you ever lied? They ask people stuff. And they finally get to a point when they're street witnessing, they finally get to a point where they say, yes, all of us have sinned and therefore we need Jesus. Okay, some people have that. And then they say, Jimmy Swaggart sins, Billy Graham sins, all have sinned, the Pope sins, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's some people's method. But we don't, we, we, I want, I gotta get, sometimes my mind so we sin because we are born through 
We are born sinners through Adam. We aren't sinners because we sin. So as born sinners, we by our choice, we die with Christ at the cross. As Christ was raised from the dead, we're raised with him in newness of life. So we sin because we're born sinners. We don't, we don't do it like this saying, well, because we do all these sins, we're sinners. No, it's we do all these sins because we were born a sinner. You, you have to know that. So, so listen, guys, listen, 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 get this. So, so when you're born a sinner, there has to be a death to that life. When Christ, that's why Christ came as a human being. So that he was born of a virgin, born under the law. So that he might redeem all of us who are cursed. And it says in Romans that all die in Adam. That we are all born a sinner. And because of that is why we sin. That's what has to be dealt with. So when Christ died, he died to that Adamite sin nature. And he buried it. 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 And then he raised up in newness of life. So what that means to you and what that means to me is when we take up the cross, that is a choice to put on your back the prescribed way of crucifixion and death. And you carry that cross. And then as Jesus died, Christians die with him. So to be reborn, that old dies. You can't fix sin up. You can't dress it up. You can't, um, what do you call it when you go to those places? Rehab it. You can't rehab it. You can't say, I'm going to start loving my wife like Christ loves the church if you're not born again. You can't. Uh, you can't stop addiction. Um, you, you, you can't stop the nature, the humanist nature. But when you bear your cross, you're saying, I want... Remember, the blood forgives you. The blood gives you your position. You're a friend of God. Your sins are forgiven. You're reconciled. But the cross is something you do daily. It, it, it's something that you, that you have to carry many times for different various reasons. And you're, you're, you're coming into a perfection in God, and what's in you begins to come out. But in order to live with Christ, you, we die with him. And then get this, brothers and sisters, you got to believe this or it won't work for you, is you're dead with him. You name your ugliest sin that nobody knows about but you. 
You name an attitude that you know you've tried to get rid of. You name a behavior that you have displayed that it's hurt you with your marriage, it hurts you at work, it hurts you with any relationship within. Name it. Name it. Name that thing. And that is the cross that you're saying that you're going to bear. You walk up that hill willingly. Nobody's making you change. You're choosing to because you don't want it anymore. That's the problem is we want it. I don't want it anymore because I know God doesn't want it. And it's hurting me, others around me. And then you walk up that hill and you become dead with it. You, you die to it. And the Lord was really hitting this on me. He said, bury it. Bury it. But here's what you got to get. The same power. You got to believe this. You got to believe this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Does anybody here believe Jesus died? Do you really believe that? I, it's, even if you say it's hard to, ask, ask God to help you believe it. But do, it, did, did Jesus really die? Did he raise from the dead? Do you all believe he raised from the dead? All right. The word says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in You can do it. You can, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. You don't have to be a slave. Hey, in Adam all die, in Christ all live. In Adam all sin, but in Christ all are righteous. In Adam we have a sinful evil nature, but in Christ we have God's nature. God's goodness. Do you know that all the fruits of the Spirit are inside of you? Because when you're born again, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. And and love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, some of those things that elude us. When there's a crucifixion through the flesh and a, and a willing person that says, I'm not going to treat my wife like crud anymore. I'm not going to treat my husband without honor anymore. I, I, I'm not going to cheat on my taxes. I, I'm not going to have this habit, this thing that I run to. I'm, de- I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. If you have a pornography problem, you could have 16 women with, with hardly any clothes dancing around your casket. And you can close your eyes and you can say, I'm dead to that. And that's been buried at the cross of Christ. That's what the cross does for you. It's buried at the cross of Christ. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that gives me the ability to say no. No. You don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be a slave to sin. Paul said be a sl- we're slaves to righteousness. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, Jesus addressed people. Give me about five more minutes. 
Jesus addressed people that generally love him, but they're not quite ready for that full commitment. You can love people. And one of them was um, Mark 10, 21. This is amazing. Jesus was looking at a man. Jesus felt, you got to get every detail of the Bible. In, in, John 10, in Mark 10, 21, Mark 10, 21, it says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus felt genuine love for him. That jumped off at me. This, was, this guy that I'm getting ready to tell you about, he, he wasn't just an acquaintance. He wasn't somebody that just showed up and Jesus just met him for the first time. This was someone that he was acquainted with. This is someone that Jesus, uh, Jesus, it was somebody he was around, kind of like I see you guys like once a week, some of you. I can, when, when some of you come in, I'm like, I got a genuine love for you and I can tell that you've got a genuine love for God. It, it, it was something a little more than just an acquaintance. Looking at this man, Jesus felt a genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. I feel like that's what I'm doing today. I I love you guys. Seriously. I really love you guys. And I sense a genuine love in your heart. I think you're ready for this. I think you're ready for this message. Uh, There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. Everything. Now... Here's my theory. This is a theory. This is a theory. Here's my theory. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because there's a couple of things. What Jesus is saying is we got to be willing. Da, 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 da. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but there are a couple misconceptions that people have about the rich young ruler. First is one may think he had to sell everything to be saved. Not true. You don't have to sell everything to be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus. No, it says that he had to sell everything if he wanted treasure in heaven. He, had to, he, he gets saved just like everybody else does. Two, the Bible doesn't say that he didn't do it. The Bible says he went away sorrowful, but the Bible doesn't say that he didn't do it. Many theologians believe they know who this man is. Again, this is a theory that I, I personally believe myself. It's a theory. It's, it's kind of fun. This man comes up and calls him a word teacher. The way he addressed Jesus, this rich young ruler, is the very same way that Nicodemus addressed him in John chapter 3. Same, same way. Okay? When, when he did that, a lot of people called him a different word that means teacher. But in these two places, it's a specific word used previously in, in John 3. Many, many theologians believe it was Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He talked with Jesus and said, and Jesus said, you must be born again. But then something powerful started to happen in Nicodemus's life. In 3, he had that encounter. But in John 7, he defends Jesus to the Sanhedrin. Uh, he, 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 he defends Jesus to, to the Sanhedrin, and he was later kicked out of the Sanhedrin because he was a believer, okay? Um, John 19 uh, says, when Jesus died, he showed up with spices to embalm his body, this Nicodemus. I think it's the rich young ruler. There is something about, listen to this, Nicodemus Ben-Gorion, his name is Nicodemus Ben-Gorion, that you might not know. He has a real famous brother. Has anybody ever heard of Josephus? 
How many has heard of Josephus, a famous historian? That was Nicodemus Ben-Gorion's brother, the famous Jewish historian of that day, most famous and most accepted historian of that day. He documents this, that Nicodemus was the wealthiest man in all Israel. He said that Nicodemus had enough money to support the whole nation of Israel for 10 years. He also said that Nicodemus was the youngest member that had ever been on the Sanhedrin that he knew of. He also referred to Nicodemus as the richest, youngest ruler ever to live in Israel. It's in his documents, the richest, youngest ruler ever to live in Israel. Here's something more interesting about Nicodemus as to why they think he was the rich, young ruler. Because he sold everything he had and he gave it to the poor. He spent the last 30 years, it's it's documented that Nicodemus spent his last 30 years of his life living with someone else because he didn't have anything anymore and he didn't have money, he sold everything. Do you know one of the best friends way was, who the best friend of Nicodemus was? Joseph of Arimathea. Why is that important? The Bible says that Nicodemus and Joseph showed up at the death of Jesus and they embalmed his body and wrapped him in linen and put him to death. If Nicodemus was so rich, why didn't he just put him in his own tomb? He's the richest man in Israel because he sold everything. He didn't have a tomb anymore. So he talked to his friend and he said, hey, friend, can you loan me a tomb? I'm only going to need it three days. (laughs) It's going to be barely used. I can't wait to get to heaven and see if that's really so. But to me, you see the different levels of walk. First, Jesus stepped out and he said, bro, you got to be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. I, I don't even, I'll have to look it over because it's been a while, but I don't even know that Jesus sat there and prayed for him to be born again. I don't know. Maybe he just went home and thought about that. But then it started growing. His commitment went up to where he's starting to defend, not deny Jesus. We even see with Peter in Luke chapter 22, here's another man that where some of you are powerful Peters, that you have a word of God in your stomach, that there's an anointing for you to do. In the name of Jesus, I I prophetically speak to this church that there is an anointing, that there is a word of God birthed in men and women's heart in this church, that you are called to do great and mighty things, that there are pastors in this church, that there are apostles in this church, that there are people that are called, but we have not yet come to the point where we take up our cross and follow him. There are personality quirks. There are things that hinder us. Let me tell you, my mom used to say, don't you get cocky, Brian. Even God can use a donkey. I'm telling you, gifts open up the door, but character keeps you in those doors. You can be used of the Spirit and not be, you can be a liar and a cheater. And be used to the spirit. But what happens is you wear out your welcome and nobody listens to you because they know what you are. And you have personality things and you have stuff that disqualify you all the time. It's time to take up the cross and follow Jesus. For heaven's sake. Peter 
Simon and Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. Some of you are as powerful as Peter. But at the Lord's death, you're following from a distance. You're scared. You're following from a distance. And you've already said, oh, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And then you're warming your hands at the fire away from Jesus. And they say, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? You know, as profanity, honestly, the kids are all gone. He said, hell no. Hell no, I ain't one of his. He cursed. I'm not. See, some people, there's levels where you get stronger and deeper. And I'm feeling God call me to take up my cross. And he's calling you to take up his cross. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.